everybody, you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. This is episode five, and I am your host, Liam Douglas, coming at you from Atlanta, Georgia. I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of the latest up every time the latest episode uploads. You can find this podcast in iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and most other podcast serving sources. So today I want to talk about Imaging USA. Imaging is an annual photography trade show that occurs in January of each year, usually around mid-January. This year it was being held in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live, and the headquarters for PPA, or Professional Photographers of America, is also here in Atlanta, and they're the folks that put on this trade show each year. It does rotate. One year they'll have it in Atlanta, then next year they might have it in Nashville or Phoenix or Houston. So they do rotate it a little bit, but usually every two to four years it'll be back here in the Atlanta area like it was for 2019. The trade show for this year started on the 17th of January. The major components of the expo were the three days from the 20th to the 22nd, Sunday through Tuesday of this week. And my girlfriend Janice and I went on Sunday. We get uh, free expo passes because I'm a PPA member. The expo is just the main trade show portion. Um, They do have keynotes and they do have different speakers, other professional photographers that give uh, seminars, lectures, and stuff like that on different types of photography, different styles and genres, whether you're an event photographer, you know, concert photographer, portrait, wedding, whatever the case may be. But those seminars always cost extra, and it can be substantial. Sometimes it's a couple hundred dollars. Sometimes it can be upwards of five, six hundred dollars for a single seminar, uh, which is a little bit too expensive for my taste. But anyways, we went this year, uh, since it was back here in Atlanta, and some of the uh, great companies that were there were Sony cameras were there, uh, Canon was there, as well as Tamron, Sigma, Lens Baby. But Nikon was totally missing in action. I'm not quite sure why. I believe the last time I went to PPA here in Atlanta, which was 2015, or maybe it was 2016, Nikon was here that year, but for some reason they decided not to show up uh, for imaging 2019, uh, which I thought was kind of odd because you would think they'd want to be here to talk about their new Z6 and Z7 camera bodies and, you know, the lenses they're going to have coming out know their lens roadmap and all of that stuff but they were a total no-show sony they had a fairly large booth they had uh people up on their stage doing uh, demonstrations of portrait photography portrait lighting and stuff like that canon was doing the same thing canon was also doing a photo walk which was free on tuesday i couldn't attend that because i was busy working both my full-time jobs so i wasn't able to attend that would have been kind of fun but To be honest, on Tuesday, it was still pretty windy and cold here in the Atlanta area. So, not really heartbroken that I missed that one. There were also a couple of great backdrop vendors that were there, such as Backdrop Outlet and Kate's Backdrops. And they had some really cool backdrops that you can buy for your studio. Now, I'm not talking just the the cloth backdrops that you can buy and, you know, put on a backdrop frame system. Or uh, now they do also have these backdrop systems that are kind of like a curtain rod, like a shower curtain rod. And you can get these metal rings with uh, alligator clips uh, built into them. And you can actually use those to clip, you know, 
what, put one in each corner of a, a particular fabric that you're going to use for a backdrop, and yet that way you can keep them on the backdrop hanger all the time. You know, like I said, it's kind of like a shower curtain thing. And you can have a whole bunch of them on there once, and then when you're not using what, you know, whatever particular color, you just push it to one end. You know, it folds up nice and neat, still hanging on the bar, kind of folds up, you know what I mean, the way curtains do. Uh, which I think is pretty cool. I may eventually get one of those systems, although right now I have a three-tier backdrop that's uh, hanging from the ceiling in my studio. And I like that one pretty much. It's got the uh, rollers that'll hold tubes of paper or tubes of fabric. You know, they have the cardboard tube core in the center. And then on each end, you have these pieces that screw into the cardboard tube and they have gears on them. And it comes with, you know, multiple sets of plastic chains that you use to run the uh, colors up and down on the rollers, you know, allows you to turn the rollers from down below, um, kind of like a, uh, a blind of sort, kind of like a blind system, sort of, or, or a mechanical garage door that you have to pull the chain to roll it up and down like you would see in an automotive, some automotive shops. But uh, I am definitely intrigued by the shower curtain style system and maybe getting one of those at one point because they do look pretty cool. Now, the other thing that I was really intrigued by that both backdrop companies had there on display is they have these backdrops. Well, backdrops, you can use them as backing or you can use them as a floor or both if you buy two of them. But they have them in really cool simulated uh, wood finish, like white wood wall paneling uh, or, or standard bare wood, you know, like hardwood flooring. And they're actually printed out on what's essentially a giant mouse pad. And I didn't realize they were doing this now, and I thought it was pretty cool. We were talking to the lady from Kate Backdrops, and she was telling us that you can actually fold them up when you're not using them. You can fold them up nice and neat and put them on a shelf or what have you. And then the next time you need to use them, you just pull it off the shelf, unfold it, lay it down like if you're using it as a floor covering um, to do maybe baby portraits on. You're going to have the baby lay on it. You know, or put it on the table and have the baby lay on it to simulate a wood floor underneath them. She said, once you unfold it, lay it down, you just let it sit for a few minutes. She said she usually puts one down about an hour before she's going to shoot. And all of the folds and wrinkles just totally disappear on their own. They pretty much just totally pop out on their own. So you don't have to worry about having any kind of lines or anything like that that's going to screw up the look of your, you know, simulated wood flooring. So I may... uh I'm seriously thinking about getting a couple of those, the wood floor ones, uh, probably a couple of the bare wood simulated wood flooring ones, one to use as a backdrop on a wall and one to use on the floor, you know, if I'm doing standing portraits in the studio. And I'll probably get a couple of the white simulated wood ones as well. I just thought they were pretty cool. Now, they also had some really cool giveaways, uh, like they always do at Imaging USA. The last time we were there, uh, Adorama Picks was giving away a, sing a free single print each person could get. They had like a Wheel of Fortune thing, you spun it, and whatever it landed on, that was the type of print you got. I got a metal print, and my girlfriend Janice, she got an acrylic print, so we went home with the voucher figured out what photo we wanted to have in print and submitted it via online, you know, uploaded it online, put in our voucher code, they printed it, shipped it to us, and they turned out amazing. And another company that always has free giveaways when we're at imaging is Marathon Press. And they do some great work. The first time we caught them there, uh, when I went when we went the last time, 2015, 2016, they were doing a small photo album 
I think you were limited to, I can't remember, I think it was about 20 prints in like this small album that you could order, you know, upload the prints using their software. They have this special app you download for Windows and Mac, and you can upload the images, you create an account, log in, upload your images. You put in the code and it automatically knows what album you're getting and that it's free and all that good stuff. And they print it and ship it to you. And they turned out really great, you know, the last time we did that. And they had something similar this time. It was a different type of album. This time it was a 12 by 12 album. And Janice has started uploading pictures and trying to figure out how she wants to lay out hers. And I think she said that it was actually allowing us to do like 50 pages in this album which is pretty wild because like I said, I think the last one was like 20 or maybe 24 pages. So they've like doubled it. Plus, I believe the album is bigger this time. I think the last time it was a smaller dimension. It might have been 8 by 8 or 5 by 7 or something like that. And this time it's 12 inch by 12 inch, which is pretty cool. In addition to them, another vendor that had a giveaway, and they were the ones that had a Wheel of Fortune type thing this time, was Focus Camera from New York City. And uh, they had a Wheel of Fortune type thing that you spin where you could win a, you know, a 12-inch tripod. Um, they were giving a lot of those away, or you could get a free T-shirt, which is what I ended up with. Um, Janice had gone to the car by this point. She was getting ready to go, wanted to go home, and we were just waiting for my, my uh, camera that was being serviced by CBS. And I did it, you know, while I was waiting for my camera to get done and then head back up to the car to go home. So, uh, but they were doing that, which was pretty cool. And uh, they even followed up with me. They shot me an email uh, earlier today and said it was great to meet me at Imaging and, you know, and to let them know if I need anything as far as gear. You know, they, they're a camera store, so they sell gear, camera bodies, lenses, tripods, all that good stuff. And uh, you can check them out at focuscamera.com. Now, the other thing that was really cool while I was there, and I hadn't done this the last time I went, even though I was a member. I'm a member of Canon CPS, which is Canon's professional services. So basically, Canon has a website, and I'm sure probably Nikon and the others might do this as well. I don't know, because I'm a Canon shooter. But this CPS website is a thing that Canon does. And you can go to this website, you can register you know, with your email address and all that for free, create a profile. And then every piece of Canon gear you buy you go to this website, you log into your profile, and you select from a drop-down box, whether it's a camera body, a lens, or an accessory. And then the next drop-down, you know, so if you chose camera body in the next drop-down, you'd click on that. It would show, and it only shows their prosumer and pro bodies. It doesn't show the consumer bodies like the EOS Rebel series. Those cameras aren't included. So it's only for stuff like the 1DX Mark II, the 6D Mark II, the 5DSR, which are the three bodies I currently have, um, the EOS R, if you've already got one of those, the 5D Mark IV, Mark III, Mark II, 5D Classic, so on and so forth. You get the idea. So you put each piece of gear in with the serial number, and for each piece of gear you register in that site, you earn so many points from Canon. And once you acquire some, a certain number of points, uh, you start out free, and then you can become a silver level member. Um, I can't remember what the point requirements are for that. I think it's fairly low. It might be only 75 or 100 points in gear. And some pieces of gear, you'll get upwards of 20 points for a single piece of gear. Uh, it just depends. But at silver level, and then they have gold level and platinum, and then they have cinema level. Um, I'm currently a gold member, 
Um, so with the level of points that I have from all my gear, and then I pay $100 a year annually uh, to maintain my CPS gold. And what that does, it allows me to go to the Canon booth or the CPS lounge in this case at the uh, imaging show, which was in one of the upstairs floors. And you can get your Canon gear serviced free of charge while you're there, which was one of the things I did while we were at imaging. I took my 6D Mark II uh, because I noticed the last few days before imaging that I had shot real estate with it, that I had this black little swirly thing going on in, in my viewfinder. And I knew it wasn't on the sensor. It was on the focus screen uh, because my sensor, you know, it wasn't showing up on the images, so I didn't have to worry about that. But I'm an OCD type of person. And, you know, looking at something like that every time I look through the viewfinder just drives me crazy. So I was taking my 6D Mark II and I happened to have my um, EF24-105 to Mark II L lens with image stabilization on the body at the time. So I let them service both, uh, which was really cool. They went and the guy was checking it in and he, he takes my lens off. He looks inside and he goes, oh my God, your mirror's filthy, uh, which I didn't realize it was. So, you know, they did the whole ball of wax. They cleaned the sensor, cleaned the mirror and the focus screen I'll get to in a little bit here. But while I was having that work done, well, after I dropped my gear off and got my receipt, I went over to the other side of the CPS lounge room where they had some Canon uh, folks that were working and they had gear out so you could check it out. You know, they had, you know, 5D Mark IV out. They had a couple of EOS Rs. They had the 6D Mark II, 1DX Mark II, and so on, and some of their lenses, uh, both the EFL lenses as well as the the newer RF lenses that Canon announced for their EOS R uh, mirrorless full frame body. And you could go over and check them out, talk to the, the CPS, I guess you would call them ambassadors or whatever that are there. Um, they'll let you try out the gear. You can't take it with you. You know, it's attached to the, the counter thing with the security chain type thing, but, uh, but you can stand there and you can look around and see how the viewfinder works, focus, all that. You can take some practice shots and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool. And it was the first time that I actually was allowed to get my hands on an EOS R and kind of try it around, try it out, play around with it a little bit. I thought it was really cool. It is a fantastic camera, and I'm definitely excited to get one myself. And uh, like I said, I played with it for a little bit, and I got talking to one of the, the CPS Lounge gentlemen, uh, Canon employees that were working there. He's somebody that's been with Canon for quite a while. So I got talking to him about, you know, the recent announcements from Canon and Nikon finally going mirrorless full frame um, and trying to play catch up to Sony, who's been doing it for a few years now. And I told him, I said, yeah, I keep telling my friends that, you know, I wouldn't jump ship from Canon or Nikon to Sony just because Sony is already doing mirrorless full frame. And, you know, then the big hype was that the bodies are smaller, they're lighter, yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't care. I've been a Canon shooter uh, for years now, I'm not about to switch uh, platforms. And besides, it's stupid because then you have to sell up all your gear. You'll lose money selling it. Then you got to buy all the new gear at full price. So you're definitely going to be out a bunch of money. Now, some of my friends that shot Canon did sell their Canon bodies, uh, used, of course, and bought the Sony bodies new, but then kept their lenses, you know, their L glass, and they use it with like a Metabones adapter. But I didn't want to do that because the adapter is not made by Canon. So the auto autofocus doesn't work properly. It spends a lot of time hunting. Uh, you're, you're pretty much stuck with manual focusing only. 
you definitely can't shoot any kind of sports because you can't get any fast autofocus locking and tracking and all of that stuff like you could on a native Canon body. So I was telling this gentleman, and I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to get him in trouble. He was a really cool guy. So I was telling him about, you know, I was telling everybody that I know that are photographers, look, you know, I'm not going to jump ship. If you're already with Canon or Nikon, to me, it's stupid to sell all your stuff and switch to Sony just because you want a smaller, lighter camera. That's fine, but at the time, of course, mirrorless hadn't been around hadn't been around very long. It wasn't that ironed out as far as the technology. So, you know, a lot of people felt that Sony cameras were kind of like a toy or a fad. They definitely weren't on par to do sports photography because they couldn't do, you know, 16 continuous frames with accurate autofocus tracking and all of that good stuff. Like I guess the A9 can now. I still wouldn't switch. I'll stick with my 1DX if I want to shoot sports. But I was talking to him about this, and I, you know, I told him, I said, I knew eventually Canon and Nikon would release mirrorless full frame. And of course, you both did at the tail end of 2018, which was fantastic. And I said, but the interesting part was Canon and Nikon, Nikon had such different approaches to their announcement. You know, they had press events. I didn't get invited, of course, because I'm not famous enough <laughs> like other other podcasters and YouTubers are. Um but each camera company had their announcement. Uh, Nikon had theirs, I think it was in California, or maybe it was Florida, I can't remember. But they did this big presentation, and they were hyping the whole thing up, saying, you know, yeah, we're going to release this mirrorless full-frame professional body, and it's going to basically be a mirrorless version of the D850, which is one of Canon's most popular full-frame professional bodies. And it's a great body. Um, you know, I'm not saying from experience. I've never used it. But again, I have a lot of friends that you shoot Nikon, and they say that it's definitely the bee's knees as far as a high-quality full-frame body that just performs, performs, performs. So the big mistake that Nikon did was they were telling everybody at this press event, yeah, this is basically the mirrorless D850. And then they unveiled it. And, you know, of course, they had the Z6 and the Z7, the Z6 was considered their more entry-level body. The Z7 was supposed to be the professional mirrorless D850 equivalent. And it was just crazy because it was nowhere near as advanced and good a camera as the D850. You know, number one, it only has one memory card slot, which ticked a lot of people off, especially when, you know, Nikon was bragging about it being a professional body for professional shooters. And then you reveal it, it only has one memory card slot, so no redundancy, which if you're shooting sports or weddings, is just insane to go out and shoot an event that you're being paid for, especially somebody's wedding, and not have memory card redundancy. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that say, oh, I've never had a memory card fail. I've been working in IT for almost 30 years, and I can tell you memory cards do fail. And I've had them fail on myself. It doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. And you have one time where you're doing a paid wedding or a paid professional sporting event, and you have a memory card fail, and it's the only memory card in that body, and you just lost 300 or 500 photos, you're screwed. And that's going to kill your reputation really quick. You're probably going to get sued and all kinds of other crazy stuff. So Nikon did that. And they pretty much pissed everybody off because they bragged that it was a, the mirrorless full-frame D850, and it wasn't, not even close. And then on top of that, they priced the Z7 
ridiculously high. As I mentioned in one of my earlier podcasts, you know, the Sony A7 III and A7R III are dual memory card bodies, full frame, mirrorless, fantastic autofocus, fantastic uh, dynamic range and all of that. And they're selling those bodies for, I think the a7 III goes for 2000 and the A7R III goes for 22300 2300 I could be a little bit off on that. Maybe the R3 goes for 2000 and the and the A7 III goes for a little bit under $2,000. i am not sure. But either way, Nikon prices the Z7 at $3,500. Way, way overpriced in comparison to Sony, who's been on the market for a few years now. And they've really ironed out their technology. I mean, you know, when they when Sony was first doing the mirrorless full-frame bodies, you know, you had battery issues. The batteries would get hot. The camera would get hot when you were trying to shoot video for your YouTube. And then the camera would lock up. And there was just all kinds of issues. Uh, the electronic viewfinders weren't that great. Just all kinds of things. So Sony has all of those issues ironed out now. Their cameras are really spot on. And then Nikon comes out with something subpar, but priced $1,500 more expensive than the company they're trying to compete against, or $1,200 or $1,300 more expensive. I mean, the point is, it's a lot more expensive for a lot less camera. And so a lot of people were really ticked off by that. And as I was talking to this gentleman from Canon, I said, and then Canon unveiled their EOS R, and your company was really smart about it. You had folks come out, you invited folks out for your event. Again, I wasn't invited because I'm not famous enough. And Canon had their event in Hawaii, I believe it was. And they they got all the press together. And their announcement was, this is our first mirrorless full-frame camera. It's an entry-level body. And here it is. This is what it can do. And they didn't get the backlash that Nikon did even though the EOS R, just like the Nikon Z6 and Z7, the EOS R only has one memory card slot. And the reason why Canon didn't get the flack that Nikon did was because Canon didn't oversell the body. They didn't come out and say, this is the mirrorless equivalent of the 1DX Mark II, and then show you a camera with one card slot and only five frames a second continuous shooting. That would have been suicide. And so that's why I, you know, I said to the guy, and I said, and I'm certain that is exactly why Canon got a pass on their single card slot, you know, and not having all the same bells and whistles as Sony because they didn't oversell their first mirrorless full-frame body. They were just honest about it. They said, look, this is our first go at this. It's an entry-level body, but it is full-frame. Here it is. It's basically the mirrorless equivalent of the 6D Mark II, which I have, and I love that camera. But, it, you know, again, it's considered an entry-level full-frame DSLR. It only has one card slot, and it's an SD card slot, but it does have a, a articulating screen that's touch screen, and it tilts and flips and all that good stuff. So it's great for vlogging. And the EOS R, same thing. It's great for vlogging. Some of the people that have already done reviews about it say they use that as their primary blogging camera. And, you know, and I can't blame them because I've used my 6D Mark II for blogging and it does work fantastic with the dual pixel AF. 
you can operate the camera all by yourself. You can either hold it out or you can put it on a tripod or whatever, or a monopod or whatever, and have it pointed at yourself, and it will lock onto your face with good autofocus. If you hold something up in front of your face, the camera will lock onto that object, and when you move that object away, it'll lock onto your face, again, perfectly. And that's really great. So a lot of people love both the EOS R and the 6D Mark II for vlogging for, the, for that reason, that autofocus system, which is really great. It's in the EOS R. But the other thing that Canon did right, even though they don't have the technology as if theirs isn't as advanced as Sony's yet, Canon did at least release their full first full frame mirrorless body with iDetect autofocus. Even if it has limited capabilities, you can't use it for continuous shooting and you know things like that. At least they made the effort where Nikon didn't at all. Now, as we do know from Last week's podcast, uh, Nikon has announced that with a firmware update that's going to be releasing sometime uh, in this early part of 2019, they're adding eye detect autofocus to their bodies, but they don't currently have it yet. Canon already had it. It's just not as advanced as Sony's because Sony's been working on it longer. But as I talked to this gentleman, uh, you know, I told him, I said, a lot of people are speculating, you know, I watch some of these guys that I su subscribe to on YouTube and I listen to their podcasts, you know, um, other camera reviewers, you know, like Tony and Chelsea Northrup and Jared Pohl from Chronos Photo. And Tony thinks that Canon's next mirrorless full frame that's going to release sometime this year in 2019 is going to be a full frame mirrorless 1DX something, a replacement for the 1DX Mark II. And I don't see that happening. And the reason why I don't see it happening is because Canon's mirrorless full frames can't currently do 20 continuous frames a second, continuous shooting with a massive buffer like the 1DX Mark II has. They don't yet have dual card slots in their body, but I'm certain the next one will have that. And I really think, and as I was talking to this gentleman, and again, I don't want to get him in trouble. He didn't give anything technically away. He just kind of gave me, you know, indications that I had the right line of thinking. And I was telling him, I said, I disagree with those ideas. What I think is going to happen, and this is my speculation, is that when Canon announces their next mirrorless full-frame body uh, later in 2019, I think it's going to be a 5D SR replacement. Because there were rumors that Canon had started work on a, on a 5DS and SR Mark II. But now recent rumors from like CanonRumors.com and some other rumor sites are saying Canon has scrapped that plan. And they decided instead they're going to release a full-frame mirrorless replacement for the 5DS and SR that will bump up to a much bigger sensor. The 5DS and SR have a 50 megapixel sensor, which is phenomenal. They take amazing photographs, great dynamic range, great color rendition and everything. And they do have dual card slots. But we already know from information that they've released out into the public already over the last couple of years that Canon's been working on 75 and 100 megapixel sensors. So I really, really, truly believe that their next camera announced this year is going to be a mirrorless full frame replacement for the 5DS and SR. And it's either going to be 75 megapixels or maybe even 100 megapixels. 
I think there's a really good possibility they're going to do 100 megapixels. They want to outdo everybody else. So you got Nikon with the Z7, which is like 45 or 47 megapixels. Same with the Sony with the A7R3. So if Canon wants to go and make a real pro body, you know, not 1DX replacement. I think they're going to come out with a 1DX Mark III this year, by the way. I think they're going to do a Mark III 1DX before they totally get off the DSLR lineup and just stick with mirrorless only going forward. You know, DSLRs aren't dead quite yet, but I think we're in the last couple of years for DSLRs, um, at least for the professional bodies. That's the way I look at it. But I seriously believe, and I told this gentleman, I said, I'm certain that Canon's next mirrorless full-frame camera is going to be a replacement for the 5DS and SR that it's going to sport two memory card slots. It's going to have fully vetted eye detect autofocus that will be on par with, if not better than Sony's, at least as good as Sony's this year. And it's going to have a 75 to 100 megapixel sensor. And he looked at me and he kind of smiled and he said, I can't really officially say anything, but yeah, when our next body comes out later on this year, it's going to blow a lot of people away. And I was just floored when he told me that. And I don't think he was BSing me. He's a gentleman that's been with Canon for quite a long time. So, And being he's part of the, the CPS um, uh, department inside Canon, I'm sure he's privy to certain things that, you know, maybe if you called and talked to technical support, they wouldn't be able to tell you because they wouldn't know. Uh, but I did tell him, I said, you know, and I told all of my friends and, you know, other people that are photographers and stuff like that, that I talk to on Facebook regularly and other social media sites and in person, I told him, I said, look, Canon and Nikon may have been late coming to the mirrorless full frame game, but with Canon especially, they waited because Canon does not release a product unless the technology is there. Canon is not the kind of company that's going to put a camera on the market just for the sake of putting a camera on the market and sell a camera to photographers all over the world that's subpar. And again, I'm not trying to pick on Sony. Sony has come a long way in the last four or five years with their mirrorless full-frame body. But Sony had a lot of issues along the way. They had, like I said, batteries that overheated. Cameras overheated, locked up when you were trying to shoot video and would just totally ruin your take and all kinds of issues. Canon does not do things that way. And I told him, I said, the way I feel personally, Canon does things a lot like Apple does. Apple may not release, either company may not release the latest technology in one of their products. And it's mostly because they want to wait until that technology is proven. And again, it's the same with Apple versus Samsung. Samsung is willing to put smartphones on the market. They're using the latest cutting edge technology, but that technology isn't proven yet. And that's why you've had these recalls on Samsung phones, you know, where they overheat or the battery explodes. And it's because, you know, Samsung's trying to push this uh, 10 watt charging, wireless charging when the technology isn't perfected yet. All the bugs haven't been ironed out. And Apple, they step back and they're like, no, no, no. We're not putting any technology into our smartphone until it's proven, until we know there's no issues with it. And that's why, you know, when Apple does have an issue with an iPhone, it's usually something minor or stupid, or it's a bug fix, something like that. Something can be corrected with a firmware, software update, whatever you want to call it. And I told this gentleman, I said, 
you, Canon, your company, operates pretty much the same way Apple does. You do not release something to the consumer until you know that the technology is proven. He said, bingo. He said that's one of the big differences between us and companies like Sony. Um, you know, they're willing to take the risk and put a subpar product on the market just to be the first one to get it on the market. And we're not willing to do that because we've been around for over 100 years. We have a reputation that professional photographers rely on. And I told him, I said, and I told him, I said, I've been telling everybody that I talk to about, you know, that's into photography and camera bodies and all of that. I keep telling them, I said, look. Canon may not have released their first mirrorless full-frame body until late 2018, but I'd be willing to bet you $1,000 that within two years, Canon's mirrorless full-frame cameras will be better than Sony's. And he said, exactly. He said, again, he said, I'm not going into any specifics, but I guarantee over the next couple of years, our mirrorless camera technology is going to blow everybody's minds. We're just going to have, we're going to be the best. And that's just the way it is with Canon. You know, like I said, they wait until uh, hardware and software technology is proven. They don't just throw crap on the streets for the sake of having something on the streets right now. They would rather wait until everything is ironed out and the technology is proven. And then once that technology is proven and they start putting it in the hands of consumers, it does not take them long to take that technology to the next level and surpass all of their competitors. And I honestly do believe that within two years, Canon's mirrorless full-frame bodies will be better than Sony's. You heard that correctly. I didn't stutter. You don't have dirt in your ears. I believe they will surpass Sony and be the number one maker of mirrorless full-frame bodies. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Canon fanboy. I gave you all the reasons why I feel that way. And this guy, without giving anything specific away, he was basically confirming my beliefs when he said, I guarantee you between now and the next, you know, between now and two years from now, the stuff that we're going to put on the market is going to blow everybody's minds. It's going to blow our competition out of the water and we will become the number one builder of mirrorless full frame bodies. Period. We're not going to put Sony out of business. We're not going to put Nikon out of business. We're not saying that. But we're saying we will be the big dog in the mirrorless full-frame world, just like we were for many, you know, forever in the DSLR world. And I do sincerely believe that. So I thought it was it definitely interesting to find that out um, while I was at the CPS Lounge at Imaging 2019. I thought that was pretty cool. And I really can't wait to see exactly what Canon does have coming down the pipe. Uh, so give me your thoughts. You, you feel free to leave a comment on this podcast and tell me what you think. I, I'm sure there'll be Sony fanboys out there that'll bash me and tell me I'm crazy that Canon will never surpass Sony and mirrorless full frame technology. But I think that's naive. I mean, Canon's been the big dog for a very long time. And it's because of their business model, how they do things, how they their approach to hardware and software and their cameras. They're very meticulous. And like I said, they don't want to release a product until it's proven and right out of the box, it's going to perform as their customers expect it to. Based on Canon's name, Canon's reputation, you know, Canon's got a lot of shooters that have been with them for a long time. 
from the film era into the DSLR area. You know, folks that are shooting NASCAR, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, the Olympics. And they're not going to let these people down by throwing a subpar camera on the market just to be the first one to release a particular type of mirrorless full-frame technology, whether it's an advancement in autofocus or, or the electronic viewfinder, what have you. But when Canon does ramp up and start going at a hardcore in the mirrorless full-frame body world, they are going to take the market by storm, and they will be number one again. I can guarantee that. All right. Well, after all of that, this is Liam Douglas again with the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Be sure to check me out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube under Liam Photography and The Forgotten Pieces of Georgia, which is a personal documentary project of mine that I'm doing here in the state of Georgia. You can hit me up on any of those social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can also subscribe and comment to the podcast here. Subscribe to those channels as well to see more content, see some of my regular photography as well as some of my videography work. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Everybody have a wonderful day. Thanks again for listening.